0: Hi, I'm Sam Simon, and I'm the grandpa, and I always think deep.
1: Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering, in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep?
0: Good morning, Emily. Good morning, Grandpa. Good to see you again.
1: How's your integration back from New
0: Zealand been?
1: Oh, it's been really great. I was a little chaotic at first. I was trying to figure out what classes I got and I was switching stuff right up till the drop ad deadline. It was a whole thing. You know what? I think I got it figured out now. So I'm really starting to actually settle into my routine and I'm like really happy about it.
0: I loved our conversation about New Zealand. You and I did talk about spending some time today talking about artificial intelligence and chat GPT is. But I just wanted to spend a minute to give you some, I don't know if it's feedback or how much I, not that I enjoyed, but what the outcome or the impact of our conversation in our lives. I am very
1: you just need to hear. Well,
0: you know, we, right. and I even think we said we'd maybe pick it up again. You know, you had observed or had the sense that with security, that is the availability of universal health care and other kinds of security in New Zealand, that people seem to be happier and more flexible in, in their lives.
1: Especially in their careers. In the, well, but that's their life, right? Yeah. The, also, more of a feeling Zealand then that your work isn't necessarily your life. It's kind of your 9 to five.
0: And that's a whole podcast you and I will have one day. because <laughs> grandpa doesn't believe in separating 9 to 5 from 5 to 9. But i hold her on the other review as long as it came up. From my very beginning, I viewed myself as a singularity. I am just one person. Yeah. And I'm not a work person and a not work person. I am just me. I bring it wherever I go. There is this nine-to-five view of, well, there's work and then there's family and and there's whatever. And I don't think I'm a different, I'm an integrated human being. I (laughs) view life integrated. I also understand your point that when you're making the choice of what your career and how and where you work, doesn't mean you're not integrating your life, but it gives you more options of freedom and and the rules and the conditions. But I'll tell you what my insight was. I don't know. Maybe I've thought about it before, but I hadn't focused. The way you put it really made me focus on you know this debate about freedom and, and happiness and choices in life. Uh-huh. And it occurred to me that when our basic needs are met, We do have greater autonomy and freedom to make choices, whether it's in our career or where we live or how we spend our time and how we can even impact our lives, because at least government, in theory, in a democracy is responsive to larger public sentiment. In a country where all of that is in a private sector Mm -hmm. and is corporate, we have a lot less choices and freedoms, and we are... When you want to work one place, you have to take it or leave it. What kind of benefits? And then you have to go. I don't think that's freedom.
1: I don't think that's freedom either.
0: I think you're in my buddy, Ralph Nader, who, by the way, on next Tuesday turns 89. Wow. Happy birthday, Ralph Nader. Happy birthday. Uh, (laughs) Grandpa can get distracted easily. The more I've thought about this idea of freedom, that... Actually, where there is quality governmental support on life needs, essential needs, it grants the individual much more flexibility and freedom to do the things, meaningful things in life, whether it's work. I agree. Family. We don't have that view in the United States.
1: I know. I agree. I, I, I thought it was one of the great ironies. It's like people who are opposed to universal health care are always the ones who are like, I want freedom from government. I think that the freedom to exist without having to worry about whether or not I get sick, am I going to be able to get the care I need? The freedom from that worry, I think, is a much greater freedom than a freedom from having to have insurance. I don't know. It's freedom only for the lucky.
0: Right. For example, lucky meaning genetically lucky, or I didn't trip and fall, or I don't need any assistance getting there, or if I'm living in a rural area then there's not enough of an economic incentive for the plier to be present. Therefore, I'm going to be seducated, or I'm going to be less healthy because it's not enough people surrounding me. In some ways, they, you know, there's an argument against that about averaging to a lower denominator, but I don't think you have to do that. I think there can be affirmative choices. You know, education would be an essential need.
1: Right. That's something we've actually agreed on. We have the to- Education creates more freedom, creates more opportunity, more choices. So you can do more with your freedom. Yeah. That's something that's acknowledged.
0: You know, I don't know
1: why. And it's like it's
0: so obvious talking about it. I also had a degree of political science, and I'm a lawyer, and I watch these debates. But that particular point of view, I think is powerful, and I don't hear it much. So what's the fatal flaw?
1: It? But it's something that you don't realize until you go somewhere where they have universal health care and you see it. You don't realize what you're missing until you see the people who have it and then you're like, Oh my gosh, wait a minute. I don't have that.
0: So I wonder whether artificial intelligence will help us or make us less happy. So I got Chad CPT and I asked it, Are New Zealanders happy? QEs. They're
1: called QEs. <laughs> what what are QEs? QE's. That's like what they call themselves. Like you know one says like New Zealanders, they say QE. Oh. oh, I see. Yeah, so they then like they call the kiwi fruit, like it's called kiwi fruit, like what and like what you scan it at the grocery store is kiwi fruit, and then the kiwi bird, they, they don't just say a kiwi, they say a kiwi bird, because kiwis are the people.
0: Oh, okay. So here's a, as an AI language model. I cannot provide a definitive answer to whether all Zealanders are happy or not, though it has humility. Happiness is a subjective experience that varies from person to person. Then he goes on, however, according to the World Happiness Report, 2021, which ranks countries based on blah, 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 New Zealanders tend to experience a high level of well-being and life satisfaction. Additionally, New Zealand is known for its beautiful natural I think you're on the scale of number seven on the scale, I don't
1: What's the scale?
0: There was a scale of happiness. Oh.
1: Well, GPT isn't always accurate. It just makes stuff up that sounds good. So,
0: so. Let's take a stop for a moment. But I just want I'm glad we went back and I just wanted you to know how important for me. I hope our listeners, I hope we get more listeners, think about and give feedback about this issue of you know defining a country or community or the role of government and ensuring essential needs of housing and health care and adequate nutrition are met, that it increases freedom and that there needs to be a baseline or an average that comes from the government, and people are free to take it all or not, or to get more for themselves. It's not a limitation. It creates a baseline, a minimum. And from that, people are much freer than in places where they're often struggling. I even listen to you know this Palestine the crash and everybody in that small town. All of a sudden, people are finding themselves without health care or savings or their home is now destroyed, or it may not be destroyed, but they don't know if they can or should live. And basically, government is yawning, and too bad. Life throws curveballs figure it out. And I think that's the attitude generally of some who think that's generally what the role of government is just tough love, if you will. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Oh, gosh. I was not expecting you to go in that direction. I thought we were going to talk about Jet gpt
0: Well... I can tell you what ChatGPT had to say about happiness. I already told you that. And they think pretty much, I think New Zealanders are quite happy. So we'll leave it at that. So ChatGPT has a number of things. First of all, I I have some bad news for you. Oh, God. ChatGPT says Samuel A. Simon was a well known American consumer advocate and attorney. He was born in 1925, (laughs) Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) He passed away at the age of 2008, at at the age of 82. And I said, well, there was somebody...
1: Like, didn't think that, do a biography of the Sam Simon who wrote the Simpsons. That's a new for you, I think. But that's not, that's not who,
0: this isn't a theater person. I thought that might be it. So I said, all right, there must be another guy. They need to go try to find him.
1: No, it's not. It's just, it just makes the words that sound nice.
0: And it says, Simon's contributions to the field of consumer advocacy were significant. wildly respected for his work, he received numerous awards for his efforts, including the National Consumer League's Florence Consumer Leadership Award. You know, I was on the board and chairman of the board of the National Consumer League. I never did get that award. But I don't think there was another Sam Simon who did. So I was involved with those groups. And then I tried it from Wikipedia, and I can't get Wikipedia. And it came back and went through the same stuff. Now your aunt Rachel again, since she practiced dentistry in Los Angeles. Now maybe there's another.
1: I think there is. I think it just takes random words that it finds from the internet and it puts strings them together in a way that sounds nice. It's not necessarily based on biographies different people. It's just it just makes words that sound good. It, It doesn't necessarily mean that there's another Rachel Simon out there who lives in Los Angeles. It's just words.
0: You know, when we were talking just before we turned on the speaker, we were having a brief conversation about how long should our podcast be. Mm-hmm. Chat GPT's point of view on that, the ideal length of a podcast depends on the content and target audience.
1: I think you just listened to us while we were talking, our conversation. It was like, mm, I'm just going to repeat what I heard these people say.
0: So news and our daily briefing podcast for 10 to 15 minutes. On the other hand, comedy, or interview-style podcast, may be longer, between 45 and 60 minutes, consider the context in which your audience will be consuming your podcast. If your target audience will be listening during the daily commute or shorter, a shorter length of around 30 minutes might be ideal. Or a deep dive, complex, maybe 60 to 90. I've not seen a 90-minute podcast.
1: Sure, they're out there. I have no doubt that someone somewhere has made a 90-minute podcast at some point.
0: Well, Do you listen to a podcast other than ours?
1: Not really. I'm always like busy. I just like, don't have time to like just listen <laughs> to podcasts. Well, no, that's a
0: good point. So I also asked Chat GPT what would be good topics with my granddaughter.
1: Oh, gosh. Did you, you mentioned how old I am because I feel like. Yes, that's... I did. I did. I did. Okay.
0: Because I said 19 year old college age. Because the, the first time I asked, I didn't. In it had a different topics. That's a great idea to have a podcast with your granddaughter on public affairs issues.
1: Oh, thanks topic. to that, There's
0: <laughs> <laughs> impossible topics that you could explore. Climate change. You could discuss the latest scientific research. There's more to that one. Or social justice and equity. This is actually pretty good. For topics related to that, social justice and equity, systemic racism, income and inequality, gender discrimination, ways to promote a more just and equitable society. Mental health, political polarization. Actually, these are all pretty targeted in some ways. It didn't do too bad on that, did it?
1: Now, now our goal, I think, is to come up with more complex topics than GPT came up with, huh. nuanced and complex topics. You have to prove that we're better than the machines.
0: Huh. Okay. Well, I think that I'm going to explore it a little bit more. I had another aha uh-huh moment while I was playing with it. And then I want to get back to how AI is creating trouble on campus. I mean, the academic world. But, you know, Grandpa markets his books and his plays, and we try to find theaters or places that would book the play or let me do a book author talk. And so I Then well, give me a list of theaters with less than 500 seats in Maryland and their phone numbers. And it did. And,
1: was it accurate?
0: Well, find out, because I'll call. The...
1: I don't think it's accurate. It just makes stuff up. It'll just string together some random phone numbers and the random names of things that sound like they could be theaters. So That's what Google is for. Google is for if you want to actually find out.
0: Actually, Google would not present a list.
1: It well, won't give you a list, but like you know that like you can find stuff that's like probably much more legit. You can go on a website, you can verify whether or not the website is legitimate.
0: I think this is, because I happen to know these names, I'm pretty damn comfortable with the list it generated.
1: Oh, well, have you called any of them yet? Not yet. We'll find out. We can do it alone. Boy, that'll be a fun update to get okay. next week.
0: So your point of view, which is strongly held as I hear it, that it's putting out a lot of incorrect information, how are you running into that idea?
1: Because of the way it functions. It doesn't function to produce accurate information as we saw with the biography that it made of you. It the way it works is it takes like different like words and it strings them together to make things that sound good and accuracy is not it's not built to be able to detect the truth or to know the truth. That's not its function. Its function is to string together words that sound good, to make sentences that sound good. Okay. There's no mechanism to discern the truth.
0: Right. So are you gleaning these things from other students from?
1: No, I've like read about articles about it.
0: Reading articles?
1: No, functions.
0: So you're at the University of Delaware, your yeah. sophomore, your second semester sophomore, soon to be a junior on eBay. Is there a large scale or, or active engagement with students in the university itself or in classes around? Amy, have you been told anything about use?
1: Yeah, so all um, professors are required to talk about have like a little section about it in their syllabi. Definitely some professors have had different opinions on it than others. So they're all required to put this thing about ChatGPT. I have one professor, very interestingly, she said, listen, like you are paid to come here to get an education. And if you cheat by using ChatGPT, like my job is not to discern whether or not you're using chatGPT or not. If you're cheating with chatGPT, the only person you're cheating is yourself. So you guys are college-level students. If you want to cheat yourself, that's fine. But if you really want to actually get an education, write the essay. And it's not my job to discern that. So that's what she said on like the first day of class. So a few days ago, our professor told us about a project we're going to have to do at some point in the semester. We have to pick one of the readings that we do, and we have to make an infographic about it, about the reading.
0: What's an infographic?
1: like those fun colorful things that have information about them and they are usually segmented into fun colorful boxes and they have writing on it and So, but an infographic of an article, what would it that You mean? have to take information from the article and condense it into an info If you were to take away a few things, condense the information, the key points of the article into an infographic. Oh, okay. All right. So she said that the, one of the, part of the reason that she wanted us to do this was because she said, ChatGPT doesn't really know how to do infographics. I've tried a few times. It doesn't really understand the concept. And so I'm doing this because I know that ChatGPT GPT doesn't really know how to do this. And I thought that was a very interesting point because at the beginning of the semester she said, oh, I, I'm not going to try to even care about this. But it's like, okay, so you do care a little bit. Maybe her mind changed. So... Yeah, that was a very interesting one. Other professors are like, listen, I'm just going to assign assignments that ChatGPT just can't write. Whether that's because it's deeply personal or whether it's because it involves citing from a lot of different sources. Or if they're actually grading for accuracy, ChatGPT isn't very likely to provide that. Especially if you're writing a whole essay, like there's bound to be a mistake somewhere. So it's been very interesting to see what professors have to say about it. Well,
0: I have a couple of reactions in that.
1: Okay, let's go through them.
0: At first, I thought that was very adult of your teacher in the sense of, you're adults, you're here to get an education. Okay. And if you want to, quote, cheat, you're cheating yourself. Yeah. But then it occurs to me that her job, her responsibility for what she's paid, not to speak, but to actually educate. Yeah, she doesn't in fact that statement does not reflect to me an understanding of what her actual job is.
1: She did change her mind, so.
0: Well, we don't know that.
1: Well, she obviously it was a factor in why she chose to make us do an infographic. as opposed to have another professor who said he wanted us write like a reaction paper of four different, like write a paragraph or two about like reacting to a certain rating that we did. So, but she definitely had options and she chose one specifically because ChatGPT doesn't know how to do that.
0: Actually, this is really helpful to me now, as I understand it at the moment. Chat GPT cannot do, I don't think it can do contextual analysis.
1: I haven't tried, but yeah, I don't know if it knows how to like pull a quote
0: from a thing. Well, if somebody simply prints out what it spits out and turns it in as their work, then that would A, be cheating, and B, not useful. If they ask you the question, about a problem or a factual source and used it as one of many resources and actually footnoted it or cited it as a source. I'm not sure then that would be bad.
1: What do you mean? So yeah. Like, give an example of what you're talking about.
0: I don't think this is a perfect example, but it would be an example. According to, you could either say it, according to CHAP, GPT, footnote. So let me even take it a step back. You do footnoting, right,
1: in, in your work? What do you mean by footnoting? No, in really. your research paper, do you footnote? No. Well, I read really like the little numbers, but I do like do in-text citations as in like a list, like the author, if it's an EPA, author and page number, and then you do a citation at the bottom. But no, I don't really... But,
0: like but you can source text. citing, however you yeah. put source citing. So if you get some information from a Chad GPT, yeah, one could source cite that.
1: Yes, but because ChatGPT isn't built for accuracy...
0: No, but that's not the point. The point is, if you
1: choose
0: to take that answer as a one factor in what you're doing, so you know it needs to be double-checked, or you'd be interested in what it had to find, or might find it quicker, or direct you to where to find, you could cite that, source. you could source something you use in the paper, and it may lead you to a direction
1: or a place that you hadn't thought before, even if it's not accurate. Well, interestingly, that's actually what I've heard a lot of professors say about teachers and professors throughout my career say about Wikipedia. They say Wikipedia can be a good starting point where you see something and you're like, oh, okay. And then you have to verify that with like an actual legit source that's not Wikipedia. So I feel like you're saying GPT would essentially be used in the same way as Wikipedia. They say don't cite Wikipedia just use it as like your launching off point. So you're basically what I'm hearing is that you're suggesting that gpt be used in a similar way to the way Wikipedia is used. It's it's kind of an order to be used by professors, teachers now.
0: Well, it's no different than Google. The difference is that Google doesn't do... So the unique thing of the AI apps that are being developed is that they presented in... There's a proper word for this, but in narratives that, you know, write me a paper on the beginning of time theories, and they'll put out what would look like a college-level written paper.
1: I, I don't I'm, think it's college level. I think it's writing much more like at a high school level. But
0: Actually, let me ask you the question. I have not done it. What if we ask it to write it at the college level?
1: I don't know how well it would be. It would be like, okay, something about college level is that it definitely varies throughout your four years. I think the college level that it would be would be a student who doesn't actually know how to write a college level paper in English 101, who it just used at the thesaurus to make everything sound nice, but they have no actual substance. That's what I think would happen. I've seen those papers. I've had to peer edit them. They're terrible. Because you have to do people kind of Google the words, but there's no substance behind it. Say that again. You had to do what? To... I've had to peer edit papers like that, and they're terrible. Well, what's peer edit? I'm sorry. Peer editing? Yeah. Oh, have you ever done peer editing?
0: I know what a peer is. You're somebody, your friend.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, you have to take a classmate's paper and you have to edit it for them.
0: And what's the context of doing that? I never. In an English class. Oh. Huh. That never happened in my English classes in nineteen. 19th. That must have
1: been nice.
0: <laughs> 1960-something.
1: Yeah. yeah. peer reviews kind uh, of suck, especially if the other person's paper is really bad. I remember one time, this was when I was taking a community college class, and I was living at home because I was in high school. I was doing normal in high school. And I remember my mom and dad were asking me, like, hey, like, how long do you think it's going to take you to edit these papers? And I was like, I really have no idea. It depends on how bad they are. If they're really good papers, it won't take too long. But if they're really bad and I have to give lots of feedback, it's going to take a while. So, yeah, those are not fun. <laughs> anyway, as we were saying.
0: And you've been able to discern if it was a chat GPT or written document?
1: I have not tried to do that yet. Uh, so here
0: is my question to the chat GPT. Write a college-level analysis of the origin of the universe in 90 words.
1: All righty then.
0: All right, here comes 90 words. ba. The origin of the universe is a topic that has puzzled scientists and philosophers for centuries.
1: Oh, that's not causal.
0: <laughs> the prevailing scientific theory, known as the Big Bang Theory, suggests that the universe first began as a singularity, a point of infinite density and temperature, approximately 13.1 billion years ago. The universe has been expanding and cooling ever since, resulting in the formation of galaxies, stars, and planets. While the precise details of the Big Bang remain a subject of ongoing research, the theory has been supported by a wealth of observational evidence, including cosmic microwave background radiation and the observed abundance of light elements. Of course, if it were truly up to date, it would add, and just this past week, the Weber telescope found brand new stuff that said maybe it wasn't the Big Bang. Anyway.
1: Oh, I didn't know about that.
0: Yeah, the telescope has new and it spotted what appears to be three new galaxies at a place and level that were not anticipated. Oh, that's and great. the prediction is that it will alter the the Big Bang Theory in some ways.
1: Oh, that's crazy. But that
0: didn't sound college level to me either, although...
1: It, no, not it at all. I mean, it started off with like a, a hook, you know, where it's like, oh, it's something that puzzles... Like, I feel like that's the, exactly the sort of thing that every professor says, don't start with that. Just start with your thesis statement.
0: So... Actually, I think ChatGPT can and should be, I don't think we ignore it, and one could improve their questioning to get better answers of sorts. Apparently, you can even train it to respond better to you in more detail a bit. But it occurred to me that, you know, just to, you know, Google sends you to a source, ChatGPT, I either send you to a source, provide a bit of information that, might have taken you a lot longer to find and research. So I don't. I think that the mistake is to think that because it's AI and how it's written, it's a complete product that delivers a complete product. That whatever it is it's designed to give you, the right and answer to anything, as opposed to a great piece of a research tool, as we do traditional. Improper, whether academic or daily living research. Right now, I'm finding Google extremely yeah. difficult to be helpful. How so? Because it gives way too many ads first and unrelated and suggestions from their paid into finds. Either I have to narrow my requests again or be more accurate or just keep going through stuff and they give so little information, it's just a link that it's a multiple step process.
1: Interesting. I like always just out of habit. Like I just always scroll past all the ads it's like it's to the real deal.
0: Well but that's time. And that yeah, right. I
1: it's two seconds.
0: There aren't that many
1: ads. It depends it depends.
0: look I don't know if we could test this theory out on anything as we are in real time. Do you have something up the mind that we could Google and see what it would come up with?
1: No, but I now let's see. Google, what do I want to Google? I don't know. Nail polish?
0: Okay, what about nail polish? What would we want to know.
1: What is the most common formula for nail polish? I literally don't know why I'm thinking about this, but Um
0: This is good. What is the we can be have a comparator to Most common formula?
1: Nail polish formula from Chemist Corner. I don't know if they made how cosmetics and Okay, uh-huh. There's nail polish formula, Chemistry
0: Corner. Chemistry no, corner: How nail polish is made. It looks hey, like you
1: know? it's just a blog. I have no idea how accurate it is.
0: All right, which one is that?
1: Uh, can I corner.
0: Okay, now let me go to my friend ChatGPT. Most common formula for nail polish consists of a mixture of nitrocellulose, a polymer that forms a film when it dries, a plasticizer to provide flexibility, and a solvent to dissolve give the ingredients to the polish smoothly other ingredients that may be included nail polish formulas include pigments with colors resins for durability and additives for texture shine the exact formulation can vary depending on the brand and specific type of nail polish and i just put it in and got that back immediately i didn't have to try to pick whose answer i wanted i like that better myself
1: thing, i wonder if this is a generational difference because i've been using google for like so long I'm just so used to having to pick through stuff that I don't find it inconvenient. But you probably, like, I guess if you're more doing research, like, with reliable sources where you can just trust whatever you find the first time if you're, like, in a library or something. No, I
0: know. That. I, I didn't get a mistake. I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, Google's been around a long time, and so I've been a user. I was not the first user. You're not the first person to use Google. No, I'm jumping to Reddit because... Uh, Reddit? You're trusting Reddit? Well, I'm lucky at it because you know there was I I saw that there was a survey about what was most accurate. Reddit was higher than Google. Huh? Wait, what? There had been a survey about which was the most accurate source. When was the search? Search recently on TV or someplace? It was you know a survey on the most accurate search engine. Reddit was above Google or was very
1: like a survey of like people's perceptions of accuracy.
0: Yeah, their perceptions their- or I find experience, that scary their experience, which they trusted more. Which was interesting. I mean Gary, You know, Google's the go to because I use Chrome and I like their platforms and but you know, I found it'll be interesting whether an AI is simply a search engine it would be an interesting use of it. And it gives an immediate answer in context.
1: I think you have to verify it with Google. So it's like, I might as well just go straight to Google.
0: No, you need to verify it with the, the sources that Google cites you to. What ChatGPT. Right, that's what I meant. The, the, well, the difference is ChatGPT doesn't give you citation. Right. So we're learning, and they're saying maybe grandma's taking up too much time with it for himself.
1: I'm interested to see if like, it comes up with things like that are like real. Uh, they don't provide links. It doesn't provide links. That's really sad.
0: Yeah, and it's you know it says scientific journals.
1: Just generally, the just, was that the it, only thing? It, it,
0: it's telling me what, what kind of things to look at,
1: like what right. types of sources.
0: Yeah, the type. Of, ah, it'll be interesting whether that anybody will figure out I I haven't seen Google's product. It's Google's product.
1: Oh, the Google AI. Yeah. So, all right, I don't know. I right. I, I think actually, actually mentioned that, like, Google is making us AI. It's like, what do you think they want to do with it? Do you think they want it to replace their search engine? Like, what do you think they want to do with it? I that Google would be making it, right?
0: I guess the question is what we mean by AI. I think their best and highest use would enable the searches be more successful and targeted. So I can I don't use a verbal question. I don't you know ask it verbally. They're going to that, you know, for AI. So I could say, give me the top best sources for information on nail polish. Or create a, a link. Or as opposed to give me the answer, which is what I guess we're thinking of the AI is to give us the answer to our questions rather than us in directions of information. And I think I've not read a lot about that distinction. I think we're going to hear more about that, that the expectations and, and the use of the AI to help you find what you want and test it and learn, rather than simply give you the end product of what you're trying to create or want to do. Mm-hmm. That it will build, it'll be a tool for your intelligence, if you will, or your work and complement it rather than be thought of as a replacement.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely a very, very interesting view. I definitely heard variations on that theme before. And I think it's just interesting to think about. I don't know. I don't know how much I would want to use it. I like, okay, I remember when I was in freshman year of high school and we wrote an essay on Romeo and Juliet, and we had to run it through a plagiarism checker. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, but like, surely someone, someone who, has written an essay on, like, Romeo and Juliet, has at some point written the same sentence, and also, like, put their essay through, like, this essay plagiarism checker thing. Like, somebody somewhere has written the same sentence that I've written about this play that hundreds of thousands of people have written essays about over time. And it ran it through the plagiarism checker. The only thing that highlighted as, like, plagiarism were the quotes, because it didn't really distinguish. It couldn't tell, like, when you had something in quotes when you didn't. And I was, like, shocked. I was like, man, like... Maybe I really have something to say that no one else has ever thought of, has ever thought to say before. Maybe I really have something unique to contribute to humanity. And maybe you realize, like, hey, like, I, I have something unique to contribute. And now with ChatGPT, it's like, dang, like, I could have written that. Sometimes, like, I could have written that. And it's like, do I have anything unique to contribute to humanity? Or do I have something need to say?
0: Well, I guess one could think that. But ChatGPT, first of all, so the new ideas are new ideas. Yeah. ChatGPT is a captive... Oh, what's been said before? Right. They can't assess that Sam Simon and the National Consumer like didn't didn't live in Boston. Die. You know. They just know the thing. But it's what you were saying. So it, it's not just accidents. It goes to how it thinks and what it does. I don't know that it can ever really think. It can just be more sophisticated at finding pre written words that relate to each other that complex logarithms.
1: Well, I think on that point, do you think it'll push humans then to be more creative and more innovative? I mean, you can't just write something that's kind of a combination of what other people probably already said before, and that it'll push people to want to be able to say, I can contribute something to humanity. And that In order to be able to say that, you'll have to be pushed further to be more creative.
0: Not at the moment. I don't know how that would be true for this in using language and words and, say, math models. Once a mathematical model existed to do a calculation, that didn't end thinking about men and how it worked, or how to do it faster or what it meant. So I actually think in some ways, this is sort of, all right, we're going to get words, they're going to say certain things. So hearing something differently, or in a particular way, or that I wouldn't have thought of, triggers my own thinking. It could be a contributor to triggering new thoughts and creativity. It could be boring, in which case I'll stop using it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's sort of an aha again. So thank you for letting me. I think I've talked more than you this time. But I think my insight from this is that artificial intelligence will challenge us and enable us to do more. It is just a, another factor element, another f- variation on Encyclopedia Britannica or better a quick scan of things. It can trigger a new thought. And like any of that, if I'm lazy and if that's all I want to know and that's all I, I mean, if I'm just doing it as I got to get this frigging paper in, I'll do this. And it may even trigger curiosity. So it becomes another research tool.
1: Yes, another tool in the toolbox.
0: Yeah, tool in the toolbox. And I'm surprised that the teacher wouldn't see it that way. That,
1: I There are some who do.
0: Yeah. And even challenge creativity to learn how to use it better to get better information. The, the, I guess the one other thing I I was thinking about it, the fear of it being cheating is that it, what it may prompt is increasing in class work. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm teaching Emily Simon, I will want her to do most of her writing during the hour in class. Yeah, at first. Hmm. Because then if I get another paper from later on, that's...
1: Then you know what your writing style sounds like.
0: Yeah. So I'll educate myself on her style and type. And if we get something that's out of whack. Same thing, you know, even if you plagiarize somebody else or had somebody else write it. Right. would have the same problem. And again, now that I think about it, there's always been a risk to hire somebody to write your work. This is not new. No. It's just easier, more accessible. And free. <laughs> and free. I suspect there have been classmates who've helped each other, and you've crossed the line. It's arguably crossed the line. So maybe it's not as dramatic as everybody thinks it is. It's just a new toy, if you will, a new thing, like the printing press. Oh, my God, people are printing it. <laughs> and other people can read it besides who is it intended for.
1: Oh, my God, wow, no.
0: Interesting. So what's up for this coming week? We're getting into March. We had an 80-degree day here yesterday, Emily. It's about
1: uh, 80? That's awful. It was 70 here. Yeah, that's so... Still... 70 degrees here. It's snowing in California. The whole world is taxi every upside down. Yeah,
0: and, and you told me about... Let's put this on the record real quick. You work with the small Environmental Group and... Uh... Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm the president of Sunrise Newark. Sunrise is a national organization that is a youth climate movement, and I'm the president of the chapter here at UD... I basically pulled the club out of the gutter. The two people who had been running it, like, it hadn't been going very well. They hadn't gotten a ton of membership. And they decided to kind of abandon the club until two weeks before the start of fall semester. It's spring semester currently. I emailed the president. I was like, hi, I want to be president of Sunrise. Yep. And so now the club exists still. We're actually really excited. There's a lot of fun stuff happening. We're planning on going to an environmental lobby day in, like, two weeks from now at the Delaware State Legislature, so we'll be able to talk to a lot of other folks who are doing environmental work in Delaware, which is very exciting. planning on going to a climate rally in Georgetown, Delaware, which is uh, Fridays for Future, which is a high school climate movement. So we got a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. I'm really happy about it.
0: Well, congratulations, and that's great. Maybe we can talk about that next time because, according to ChatGPT, <laughs> a good topic for our blogs, I think, is climate change. And it was amazing. Anyway, now how did you, now this is scary, right? The very first recommendation, and it's list of five topics was climate change.
1: Mm. Maybe a lot of other grandpas have started podcasts with their granddaughters about climate change. I don't know. I don't
0: know. Oh, wow. wow. Well, I've enjoyed <laughs> this chat today. I think it helps people think about what's happening yeah. with AI a bit differently. So is a lobby day right away, or is that a little bit Two
1: weeks. Right. Two weeks? Yeah. It's kind of short notice, but I'm excited. Well, that's
0: good. No, maybe... You- Maybe we'll be able to talk about it beforehand or right after. But that's good. Enjoy chatting. Thank you, Emily.
1: All right. Thank you, Grandpa.